This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hello and welcome to Bringing Wellbeing to Life, the programme that takes wellbeing research off the page and into our lives. I'm Dr Denise Quinlan and today we're talking about the role of forgiveness in grieving. Today's show features an interview between my colleague Dr Lucy Hone and our good friend Dr Tayab Rashid from the University of Toronto in Canada. Tayab works as a, re- a therapist and researcher and he specialises in helping people learn how they can adopt strengths-based approaches to face life's most difficult challenges. Lucy was particularly keen to speak to Tayab about forgiveness because it's an important and sometimes tricky part of the grieving process. Tayab reminds us that loss is universal. We're all going to face losses of some sort. And most people recover from these losses over time. However, what can get in the way of this usual healing and recovery is when the person blames themselves or someone else for the loss and is unable to forgive, or else they're unable to forgive a person who has died for something they did or didn't do. Holding on to blame can make us stuck. Tayab advises us that we have to be patient, both as patients and as therapists, to figure out what is causing this stuckness. If we look at the research, uh, research shows that uh, most people will experience one form or the loss uh, in over their lifetime. And most people, nine out of 10, over the period of uh, uh, time, despite this loss, uh, could be major disruption in their life and major uh, reprioritization in their lives will still slowly meander towards normalcy. Some are not able to do that because either they um, uh, they are finding that a uh, they're blaming themselves that and and they're not able to forgive themselves that perhaps there was something they did and it was an act of uh, God. And uh, they could have done so. They are uh, there. They get stuck at that. So it's very important for healthcare professional that uh, to understand that stuckness. In order to get un, we cannot get unstuck if we don't understand the stuckness. Um, and that's where the uh, uh, the patient's going to come. Our patients, it's, it's a test of our patients. And because some people have this wonderful uh, cognitive, uh, emotional, social, um, sort of a leg up in, in some ways uh, that they can marshal those resources and they can reappraise the situations and they can start slowly making sense. Uh, but some people uh, who don't have those uh, cognitive prior resources, thinking resources, social resources, uh, meaning-making resources, um, they get stuck. And, uh, and, and, and it's also important for healthcare professionals to see, uh, to sort of assess where the stuckness is. Stuckness is with the objects. Stuckness is with the memories. Stuckness is with the um, with what what is the nature of it. So first, understand that stuckness, and then it might be uh, they may be able to s- slowly dis- disentangle it. Uh, also, keep in mind the stuckness is, has a lens of uh, culture, and uh, it also has lens of uh, socioeconomic status. 
if uh, the person, uh, the bereaved person was the sole bread breadwinner, but the bereaved person um, was the sole uh, joy maker of the of of the for the person who's bereaving, um, then uh, um, you just cannot ask the person to get unstuck when they don't have alternatives. So it's uh, it's uh, it's a very delicate game, uh, delicate uh, um, uh, act from a healthcare professional. Tayab has just described what are sometimes called the secondary losses in grieving. The main loss is the person you love. The secondary losses might be that this person was the person who made your family laugh or the person who was good at form filling or IT or always managed the finances or was the person who kept you all connected to friends and family. It's really important to identify and acknowledge these secondary losses too. They can leave people feeling bereft or stuck. Lucy and Tayeb then went on to discuss the role of faith in coping with loss. Where, uh, Lucy, you and I have been gifted um, in some ways, I, I, I think we have been gifted in that we have the exposure of uh, that the glass is not always uh, half empty. We have the ability to see the glass half full and also glass half empty. We can see the glass. realistic, that, but also have some hope. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So those resources can come slowly, can be introduced um, in order to fill the voids, the gaps. But without understanding the voids and gaps and the bridge of empathy, if that is not built, we cannot have put the passengers of positive psychology over the bridge. Yeah. So that understanding their secondary losses. Um, you sometimes find that's where they're stuck in that um, they just can't articulate or identify what is really the worst bit. Um, and I was going to ask you about what what can people do when they're helping somebody who's bereaved, who is really religious, deeply, has deep faith. Sometimes I've seen that, that they take the blame on themselves more because they don't want, they cannot even start to imagine that there could be, uh, that might lead to a chink in their faith or even that the world is unimaginable. So it's easier just to blame yourself rather than realize that the world, you actually have so little control over the world. It's a very, uh, and I appreciate this, a very nuanced question because generally the uh, belief is the spirituality or the religious uh, affiliation, religious practice buffers, uh, helps uh, in in terms of... Um, in the in bereavement process, uh, I think it does. But if you sort of unpack this uh, phenomena, how it does, it does through social support. Most religious traditions uh, support you through uh, coming together, congregation, congregation in in a mosque, church, temple, synagogue, or elsewhere. So there are established uh, uh, processes where the religious person um, is it become unhelpful is um, when they um, start taking the blame um, upon themselves that uh, I might have done something and God has punished me. 
Mm. Oh, the deity, the supreme power has punished me. And that's one uh, sort of a cognitive uh, hook they get, uh, they latch on to. Uh, secondly, it also depends on the the prior um, religious or- orientation, prior religious uh, experiences. So if it's the, the the God was the most magnificent and most benevolent one, um, and now God has punished for no reason, and the, and the person is trying to fathom um, the, what is what has happened to them, so they are trying to make sense of out of it at that point, from extreme religiousness to extreme angerness is possible, and we have seen that. How can God, who was so merciful, was so helpful. How can they do this to me? How can you do this to me? So the anger is 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 understandable. Um, the third and most important thing, perhaps, is um, the 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 religion is uh, is gives us a sense of meaning and purpose uh, in various forms and ways. Our existence in the world, who we are, what we are supposed to do. Um, and the great source of that meaning and purpose come from religion. Uh, it takes, it may takes, take time for the person to extract that meaning. And that is, uh, Lucy, sometimes not uh, immediately possible mm-hmm. um, because the it depends on the intensity of the loss and the reaction to the immediate in the immediate aftermath reaction to that loss and third the available again let me go back to cognitive processing the appraisal uh, keep in mind last point on this one is um we are all everyone who's listening um we're all in varying degrees bent towards negativity Mm-hmm. For our minds will go naturally attract towards something which is missing, something which is negative, negative news, uh, um, uh, negative feedback, negative aspects of relationship, negative habits. They they attract our attention far more quickly. So um, so the, if the person uh, doesn't, their negative bias, negative antennas, negative lens are unfortunately sharpened by this uh, tragedy by the sense of loss they and they don't have any other supplements uh, such as 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 strengths um, uh, positive emotions savoring um, perspective the things that a number of things which you did um, in uh, in dealing with your loss if they don't have um, the it's a very easy um, target to blame themselves that I must have done something wrong uh, in my religious practice uh, or I am angry with the God because it's these are two easy targets, self and the God. Tayab explains why forgiveness can be important in order to rebuild our sense of who we are after a big loss. He shares how he has worked with a grieving client on forgiveness and discusses what forgiveness is and is not. Uh, I'll start with the with this individual, and I'll uh, alter uh, lots of uh, information so in order to protect their uh, identity. So this person had lost one of their parents um, a couple of uh, years ago uh, due to some medical complications, and um, what they found is the the reaction of the other loved ones was very. 
um, what they felt was very insensitive. And uh, they had to bear the brunt of uh, everything that has to go in a, uh, in, a, in the context of a family, what they have to do, taking care of things, which uh, the one of the parents used to do. So this, uh, and and they found that this is um, the other uh, members of the family were not pitching in. So you can imagine uh, from this relatively vague scenario <laughs> uh, that uh, this person must be very angry and they are not able to, A, they, it has all the elements. They are very upset at God. Why? Why uh, my, the parent that I lost was the my the pillar of my support, the pillar of uh, they were the even the the reference and source of so many things that I did. I knew the world through them when they were growing up. So that loss, uh, that anger against uh, the the God, the person does believe in in, in religious. Um, um, uh, uh, practices. So, and then the second secondary anger came with the uh, extended family, immediate and extended family. So, in so the way I worked, uh, and I've been um, working with uh, with this individual is um, just making sure um, this resentment, what this resentment has been doing to them. And it has done a lot of uh, um, negative uh, impact on various aspects of their lives, of their life. And uh, so just to uh, giving them, so my job initially was to give them space to, um, to just share their sense of loss and also frustration. And then slowly I was able to bring them to what is happening to them. So they can. What I was trying to do is the 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 their self perception um, uh, is their worldview is shattered now. The schema of the person is shattered, and now you have they are they have to they have no choice but to rebuild their identity. So in that identity. What I did not want as a therapist was they build that identity on the heels of this resentment. Mm-hmm. But it was so difficult. It has been so difficult for them. So we say, after lots of emotional processing, we said, well, if there is uh, any way forward, this could be that if you want to forgive this um, people that you are upset, um, it's uh, not... Uh, uh, a sort of mercy or not a pardoning. Make sure that is that. Uh, let's let's make sure it is not uh, evening the scales. Oh, because they did this, I'm going to do this. Because there was also opportunities for them to sort of get back. Um, making making sure that this is not um, uh, they're not forgiving because they f- they're feeling bad. So forgiveness will give them this magical positive feeling so that's very important uh, forgiveness is not also um uh, forgetting that's very important point uh, or, so condoning. Say, or condoning or condoning mm-hmm. or condoning so it's not condoning it's not forgetting so we checked a number of those boxes um and this was not a linear process just mm-hmm. like you know, it's not a linear process and uh, what happened is, um, what was helpful is just to sift through what forgiveness is, 
the to have them articulate that I am willing to let go of this resentment that I'm harboring. And I now can see what uh, one of my parents that, that I have lost, they wanted me to do. So they can force it so I could s- s- gently from detach them, uh, disentangle them from those uh, uh, secondary gains, which might not be, have been very helpful, and bring them towards what is in it for themselves. And the biggest gift uh, in this for themselves was um, in, let's say, 2025, my parents would have loved to see me. Mm. Yeah. In this, in this particular role. And uh, that role was being um, derailed mm. by, not, yeah, by, by anger. So now we are working towards, we have set that, so bringing positive psychology rather than the best possible self in a couple of years' time, it's the realistic self that they can imagine in a couple of years. And now we are planting the seeds of uh, small uh, strengths, uh, spotting them, and also um, making them aware that uh, if you don't forgive, it is going to hurt you most. The other last uh, point, um, uh, Dr. Hona, I will tell you in this one is, it is difficult, trust me, it is very difficult to have uh, uh, people, individuals, clients, the people you work with, um, to say that, you know, you can uh, let go of this, because uh, even though you want something bad to happen to them, you want to take revenge, it is actually you're taking revenge from yourself yeah. because you are getting steeped, yeah. sucked yeah. in downward spiral yeah. yourself. And often, how many times is so my pet sentence? Mm. By doing this, can you change the other person? Tayab asked Lucy about how her family found forgiveness for the person responsible for the accident that took the life of their beloved daughter, Abby. You and I in our work have always talked about is this helping or harming me? And for, for us in forgiveness, it was somehow blatantly obvious from the outset that blame was destructive for us. Wasn't yeah. going to change the outcome, so it was intuitively pointless. But more than anything, I think it was that um, your question was, what is the cost of resentment? Um, and that you know that is such a powerful question, isn't it? To ourselves, are you going to change them? No. And I love also, Ty, what you said of actually in that instance. Um, so if you are the helping professional supporting this bereaved person, thinking about bringing the um, the person who's died into this conversation, what would they have wanted you to do? And that obviously requires a little bit of knowledge about the relationship with um, with the person who's died. But I think that is, for me, that, um, you know, my mother died in the year 2000 and she's my she's my best self, my conscience, you know, my per- I think, what would my mum want me to do now? So if you are the helping professional, then I think it is a good opportunity if you are um, somewhat confident of that relationship to say to them, hey, let's just think for a minute, what would your husband your brother your partner or whoever want what's the best for you now 
Absolutely, uh, Dr. Horn. What you just demonstrated uh, in this illustration is the 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 chain chain of continuity from past that was lost. That what they would like you to do in in view what they now is. So you from you you still honor the past by exploring the relationship. You honor the past because that was important relationship. Now you land them in the moment, in the present, that what is doing to you, this to you? Is resentment any going to any help? And then you slowly, gently move them what they would like you to do in years mm-hmm. to come. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's not uh, moving on, I would say. It is moving in at each phase of life. Yeah, yeah. No, we don't want to move on. <laughs> um, just through. Tayab discusses the strengths he has seen people draw upon after loss. He shares how he has observed the strengths of perspective, persistence and courage in many people who are coping with loss. No one loss is similar to the other. Mm-hmm. Every loss is unique. Uh, yet uh, there are the unique, uh, the wonderful thing, and that unique thing about being human on this on this planet is uh, uh, there are differences, but there are also similarities. And uh, what similarities that I've seen in people that, in terms of their strengths, are um, most people. Again, I'm talking about. Uh, I'm being very careful not to depart from research. Not to. Uh, so, nine out of ten people um, do have this. Um, wait, the most important thing. I, I I don't know if I can call it any particular strength. This awakening or this realization. So you can the strength that come very close with perspective that a new perspective on life. So I now know that what is most important for me. So it's a reordering, reprioritization, because they now have to um, re-knit their self, the new self. And this, this is not a completely new, new knitting. They have to still bring the pieces of wool, the pieces of uh, maybe other p- uh, fabrics from the past. So that requires perspective, but also persistence. So that, but keep in mind, the grief hits, and you and I know, and, and our listeners will know, grief hits in pangs. So there are emotional states and we have reactivities. Uh, mood lasts longer. Disposition lasts much longer. So the, the, the other strength they have is when there is, uh, they get re- reactive. Um, uh, they are able to either sermon their own resources from themselves or they are willing to accept someone's help. So I think we are now changing this definition of courage. Courage is not that traditional that I stand up uh, like um, um, Scarlett O'Hara. It's not a kind of warrior-like trait. Warrior-like Scarlett O'Hara in uh, uh, that I will uh, weather every storm. But I think uh, courage is also um, to, to say I need help. And for me, I always think, Ty, also to just live with vulnerability. To know that you're not invincible and that terrible things can happen at any moment, 
And then that's how I use courage is to think, despite living in that world where I know anyone can die any moment, I have to be able to carry on going out and let, particularly for me, you know, letting our boys live in the world and, and letting them live independent lives, not trying to keep control of them. So um, I agree that courage is, um, and it, and it has, you know, I think you're right. People think of bravery and courage as kind of sort of capital C, capital B. And what you and I are talking about is little tiny moments of courage where your neighbor says, would you like me to drive you to the supermarket or can I rake your lawn? And instead of just saying, no, no, it's to say, yeah, Julie, that would be really, really helpful. Yeah. And the last thing I will say is um, openness. Um, So openness to new experiences, because remember, these these are not completely separate um, strengths. Mm -hmm. They are, they may have, they're cut from the same cloth Mm -hmm. or some with a small variation, it's one is, is cotton, the other is uh, silk. So this uh, softer skill in, in this time is, is openness. Mm-hmm. Um, but keep in mind, the emerging research in positive psychology is um, uh, showing um, there are certain strengths which are more malleable. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you are standing at an important juncture in your life and you don't know in you know, you're overwhelmed and you have to repackage yourself, reconstruct your identity. Um, at that time, openness comes very handy because you now know, I spend so much time in doing this. Now let me open myself to new possibilities. So if the person is not open, my uh, my humble suggestion to our, our listeners is uh, if you can be that voice of openness, that voice of sometimes then the courage uh, ebbs, uh, ebbs and flows. You can be that uh, uh, courage, uh, voice of courage or support of courage. Uh, you don't need to sh- say it. You can just express it. And that is the underlying strength, which you're come, uh, uh, wrapping up the question, social support. We are not social beings, Lucy. Um, I love you. I love your your work. I, I you you inspire. Uh, you're not inspiring me, but you have inspired thousands of people because we now can see, we can relate with you. So that is the the our human common humanity. So that common humanity bond uh, in terms of social support, in terms of relationships, is so crucial. Even if you are introvert, you don't like people. Uh, when, God forbid, if you experience um, uh, a loss, that's the time you need to, rather than going into your cocoon, let someone um, at least knock at that cocoon. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point because it gives um, those who are helping the bereaved an opportunity to realise that they can be strength spotters by saying that, wow, you did so well to pick up the phone and phone Fred and say that you wanted um, him to come with you to support you to go to your you know, school meeting or whatever it was. And so those little steps by mirroring and reflecting and acknowledging and 
you're applauding those small steps that people take and understanding that that requires courage and reinforcing the importance of social support at this time. Um, But yeah, absolutely validating the fact that not for everyone, it's not easy. Huge thanks to Dr. Tayyab Rashid for sharing his work with us. He reminds us of the importance for our own well-being of coming to forgiveness. His strengths-focused work reminds us to look for the strengths we can draw on to help us when we're coping with loss. He also encouraged those supporting the grieving to notice and acknowledge the strengths that they see in the people who are grieving and to remind them that even in this most challenging time that they do have strengths in themselves that can help them. My thanks to both Lucy and Tayab for this wonderful conversation. You've been listening to Bringing Wellbeing to Life on ORFM Dunedin. You can listen to a podcast of this show on oar.org.nz or on nziwr.co.nz, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dr. Denise Quinlan. Thank you for listening. This program has been brought to you by the New Zealand Institute of Wellbeing and Resilience. To purchase books or online programs on coping with loss and resilient grieving, go to nziwr.co.nz. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.